If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we talk to Josiah Williams, Wrestling Flow, as he talks to us about his atypical road that was taken to get to NXT. We talk about some network recommendations and a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. For the 315th time, welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. I'm glad you guys are all here. Happy to have you. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. So much to talk about today. Of course, this week being a week like no other. Uh, weeks like this make me happy that we have professional wrestling. It's a good week to, uh, get, find an escape, get done what you need to get done. If you're in America, you got to go out and vote, you go out and vote, do whatever you need to do. Then escape, turn on the network, dig your WWE hole and jump in head first. And you can peek up once the dust is settled. Everything will be fine. Trust me when I tell you, Hey, it was actually a very good weekend for me. Um, I'll say this. I've got another very wonderful piece of wrestling memorabilia that's coming my way. There were a few of you, uh, I think, in the chat room on High Spot's Facebook page. And Mick Foley was doing an auction. Now, I've been paying attention to this. I, I didn't realize this was happening until, I don't know, I guess a month or two ago. Uh so I knew that there were virtual signings going on, that a lot of superstars in this time when it was more difficult to do in-person stuff and make a living, that wrestlers were doing uh, virtual signings where they would go um, and basically you at home would pay for an 8 by 10 or whatever you wanted them to sign. And then the company broadcasts it live. So like you're watching a live Facebook video. And they go, okay, here's this photo. You can make it out to this person. You go, oh, Bill, sure, I'll make it out to Bill. And, you know, it tells some stories. It's actually kind of an entertaining watch. But the reason that I bring it's a nerdy watch, but it's an entertaining watch. I mean, if you're getting an 8x10 sign, it's probably a great watch. But if you're not getting an 8x10 sign, it's like, geez, really this curious about wrestling? But the answer is yes, because I watch them. Um, although I do try to pick up a thing or two sometimes. The first one, uh, the first way I heard about this was Bubba Ray Dudley, Bully Ray, was doing one of these. Uh, but he ended up bringing a bunch of stuff from his personal collection to actually auction live on Facebook. And I didn't get it, but 
but I was part of the auction. I was trying to win the purple Dudley Boys tie-dye t-shirt that he wore at ECW One Night Stand. He was selling off the ring-used t-shirt on that show. And I was in there, but it went pretty expensive. It went too rich for my blood, and I had to tap out. Uh, this time, this, this weekend, it was Mick Foley on the High Spots page. And he was auctioning off a bunch of his stuff. He had an, actually a really cool item that I don't know if he realized how cool it was, but he was auctioning off one of the shirts that he wore as Cactus Jack. It's like a, a black shirt with a kind of a desert trim around the neck that he wrestled in. Uh, he said he had like three of them, so he didn't know exactly what matches he had in those. He was auctioning off uh, his sports jacket, his blazer that he wore as Raw GM that was red plaid, except it was a suit jacket. Um, and... To me, he auctioned off, I think, a, a manuscript for Countdown to Lockdown, the book about his time in Impact Wrestling. But I think the biggest item by a mile was he auctioned off the flannel that he wore in the main event of WrestleMania 2000. Now, you know, his match at WrestleMania 2000 is not one of the all-time Mick Foley matches, but still, to me... A very important match because that was Mick Foley's only WrestleMania main event. And that's as close as you're going to get to Mick Foley pre-retirement. That was a month after he had, had retired. It's also important because you notice it immediately, the aesthetic of it. I noticed it as soon as he pulled it out because it's the only time I can think of that he wore blue and green plaid in a match. Uh, it was the Fatal 4-Way match. It was... Well, uh, McMahon in every corner, Triple H, Big Show, Rock, Mick Foley. Mick Foley came to the ring with Linda McMahon, and he auctioned off the flannel that he was wearing in that match, and your boy secured it. Coming to the Not Sam Estate is Mick Foley's flannel from WrestleMania 2000. And then I immediately had to go downstairs and find enough stuff to sell where I could recoup the amount of money that I spent on that because... My wife wasn't thrilled when she could hear the Facebook feed coming from my iPad uh, while we were sitting there. And they were mentioning, oh, Sam? Oh, Sam Roberts bid that? How much did you bid, Sam? So I have to, you know, I have to make up for it. But still, secured it, got it, piece of history. And I got a great deal on it, I think. Piece of history coming to the Not Sam Studio. Uh, speaking of the Not Sam Studio, you might see Mick Foley as a guest coming up soon on Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network. If you haven't watched it yet, uh, we're up to episode two this Thursday. It'll be episode three, Not Sam Wrestling on the free version of the WWE Network, a completely new, original, unique show that I hope you guys watch and I hope you guys enjoy it because it's one of those things that even as I watch it, I'm like, who would have ever thought that something like this would be on the WWE Network and who would have ever thought I'd get the opportunity to do it? Basically... They gave me an hour of airtime. And so I want to make the most wrestling fan-friendly show that I could possibly make. I want to go wrestling heavy. I want to geek out about wrestling. This is the WWE Network after all. So Not Sam Wrestling every Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. And while I'm giving you WWE Network recommendations, I hope you guys are watching NXT UK. NXT UK returned a few weeks ago. And they're the last show in under the WWE umbrella performing in front of nobody. It's an empty room. It's like the original days of 
the performance center even before they started bringing recruits and stuff in. It, it it's an empty room and it's tough, man. It's tough. You feel for those performers. I think Impact might still be using an empty room, and I think Ring of Honor might be too. I'm not sure though, but still, they had an NXT UK Championship match on NXT UK TV this week. Walter versus Ilya Dr- Dragunov. And I'll tell you something. I, I've, I mean, obviously, Walter, what more can you say about him? Walter's amazing. We knew Walter was, a lot of us knew Walter was amazing before he even got to WWE. But, I mean, really, if you think about the NXT UK title, it's going, it go, Tyler Bate, obviously the original champion, right to Pete Dunne, who had it for, you know, a couple of years, and then right to Walter, who nobody has, has come close to beating him. But, I mean, Walter's incredible. But, I mean, Dragunov, to me, like, is an underrated gem of NXT UK. Uh, NXT UK TakeOver, the, I think it was the last one. It was a while back. He had a great match against Finn Balor. And if you hadn't been watching NXT UK, you might have thought that he was just kind of put there to have somebody for Finn Balor to beat just to say, we got Finn Balor on this show. That's a big deal. But that's not the way the match went. He was super impressive in the match. I'm just super impressed by him. He's a guy, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's just 100% muscle. He's inhumanly strong. And he has this menacing way about him. There's just something about him that is so menacing and so believable. You love it. But this match, if if this match had been in front of a, a, a crowd, if this match had been in front of a, a live audience, especially... If they had been able to do this match at an NXT UK TakeOver event and it had been in front of an NXT UK audience, it would have been match of the year without a question. People still will put this in the conversation for match of the year, even without an audience, which is a huge thing. This is probably the best match without an audience of this entire era. It's incredible, the brutality of this match. And there's no foreign objects. There's no, like, flips and dips and whatnot. It's just two guys beating the crud out of each other. I mean, the the, the match is scored with the sounds of big, thick thuds colliding with each other. You watch throughout the match, and you see the welts are growing. I mean, these two just decided to have a fight. You can't have a match like this. If you're wrestling three or four times a week, you could still only have this match twice a year at most because this was a knockdown dragout fight. This match is one of those matches that you'll talk about when you're putting over how great NXT UK is and how more people should be watching NXT UK. And more people should be watching NXT UK. Uh, they never disappoint. Every takeover is spectacular. The tournaments were spectacular. The TV is usually very good, um, but this one was just on a different level. It was on a different level. Court Walter ended out coming out on top, but, I mean, you just felt like you'd been through it. I think it went like 25, maybe a full 30 minutes. It was a good, long match, and it was brutal, and it was severe, and it was, I mean— it was believable, I'll say that, because it was two guys just knocking the stuffing out of each other. Um, this is match is going to be in the conversation at the end of the year, and it's already November, so it snuck in at the buzzer. 
but this match needs to be in the conversation at the end of the year for match of the year. And we do need to put that caveat that I promise you, if this match had been in front of a UK audience and we would have heard the crowd reaction, you would have had the best match of the year right here. So I hope WWE is aware of, of how much talent that they have just in this one main event alone in NXT UK. But I've been thinking about it and, and some, one of the casualties about how much wrestling we get on television right now and with the network, how much more wrestling we get. One of the casualties is we start to take for granted really good stuff. Like there was so much really good stuff at Halloween Havoc at NXT Halloween Havoc on USA. It was like every match was very good. There wasn't one slow moment on the show. Johnny Gargano winning the North American Championship. I think that surprised people. It was just, it was, it was good all the way around. But, you know, you, you've got the Gargano North American Championship match. You've got the Io Shirai Candice LeRae ladder match. And in the mix of all of it, you've also got this amazing match between uh, uh, Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez, who it's worth noting there because, number one, we're getting to watch this rebuild of Rhea Ripley. Watch this rebuild. Watch this rebuild. And at the same time, Raquel Gonzalez is completely coming into her own. But the idea that we're living in a time right now where wrestling-wise, in-ring-wise, we get matches like we saw this week, and that's just Wednesday, is amazing. It's amazing. And we shouldn't take it for granted. We should make sure that we have these conversations about these this level of matches every time we see them. Uh, it came up on the Patreon show. If you want to make sure that you hear everything that we've got to say on Not Sam Wrestling, you got to become a Not Sam shill. Of course, over on Patreon, everybody gets uh, a second show. So every Thursday, uh, there's Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. It's, a, it's an additional podcast every single week that everybody on Patreon gets. And then as you start moving up tiers, you can watch the show taped live in the Not Sam studio. Uh, we have Zoom meetings that we do just to brainstorm the podcast every week. We have Zoom meetings before every pay-per-view. So there's a ton of great interactive benefits. And of course, the Discord room that we have is open to everybody uh, that's a Not Sam show. And it's uh, it's less than a dollar a week to become one. So go over to patreon.com slash Wrestling if any of that sounds interesting. But uh, a question came in through the Discord that we tackled on Thursday. And I've been thinking about it, and the more I think about it, the more I love it. The question was, with Rhea Ripley, where do you see her going? Do you see her winning the NXT Women's Championship, or do you see a call-up happening? And I think what needs to be done with Rhea Ripley is the slow build has been great. You could have easily just immediately put her in a rematch with Io Shirai and put the NXT Women's Championship on her, and that would have been fine. Rhea Ripley is a next-level star. There's no getting around that. But... I think that the best thing that you could do for me is we're heading to the Royal Rumble. We're, we're three, four, probably three weeks away from Survivor Series at this point. That's where now we can start shaping, okay, let's start going towards the big show. You know, if Rhea Ripley is not today in the conversation for NXT Women's Champion, now things could all change as of Wednesday. Because I'm assuming we have TakeOver War Games coming up. I mean, I don't know why else Pat McAfee would assemble a War Games-sized team to go against another War Games-sized team. I would imagine 
that that's what we're looking at. I would imagine that we're looking at a stupid Pat McAfee flip off of a War Games cage. I would think that, you know, that's basically a guarantee at this point. But if we're not heading into that takeover with Rhea Ripley in the number one contender seat, which is definitely no guarantee, can we push it to WrestleMania? I think we can push it to WrestleMania, and here's how. I think what I would do with Rhea Ripley is have it made clear, like this week, my quest is to become the NXT Women's Champion again. I took out Mercedes Martinez. I took out Raquel Gonzalez. My quest is to become the NXT Women's Champion. And that's when Dakota Kai steps up and says, you're going to have to get through me first. I don't think so. Yeah, you took out Raquel, but now you got to fight me. Uh, I, I, I would head to take over war games with maybe having that on the, on the war game show, having Rhea Ripley versus, uh, versus, uh, 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 Dakota Kai or right before it or something like that. Um, so that way it's a distraction that an Io Shirai could deal with somebody else, maybe Shotzi Blackheart, maybe somebody else. Um, then heading into Royal Rumble and the January takeover, I would have uh, Candice LeRae cost Rhea Ripley the opportunity at the NXT Women's Championship. There would be some kind of qualifying match, and Candice LeRae costs her the match. I would have Candice LeRae go to takeover, and Candice LeRae win the NXT Women's Championship. So now it's too perfect. We're headed towards WrestleMania. Candice LeRae is the women's champion. And Rhea Ripley still hasn't gotten her opportunity, right? We're going to get to see the hero's moment at WrestleMania. Rhea Ripley wins the Royal Rumble. Whoa. And you're thinking, okay, perfect. Rhea Ripley won the Royal Rumble. She's going to go for Candice. We're going to get an NXT Women's Championship at WrestleMania, an NXT Women's Championship match, just like last year. And then Rhea says this. Oh, it will be just like last year. But it's going to be a little different. Because by January, Charlotte is back in WWE. And she has won the Raw. She wins the Raw Women's Championship from Asuka at the Royal Rumble. That's when Rhea Ripley. Or it might be before the Royal Rumble. Or maybe, you know what? No. After the Royal Rumble, Charlotte wins the Raw Women's Championship from Asuka. Because as soon as Charlotte wins the Raw Women's Championship from Asuka, Rhea Ripley shows up on Raw to say, guess what? WrestleMania, you took mine last year. I want yours this year. And Rhea Ripley goes to WrestleMania to challenge Charlotte for the Raw Women's Championship. And then I'd probably put Shotzi uh, and Candice LeRae together at the WrestleMania takeover and have Shotzi win the title. Because uh, I think she's just a huge, huge star over there on NXT. But that's probably the direction that I would go in. Hey, uh, there's a lot of directions to go in, but uh, we have a guest this week on the podcast, Josiah Williams. Uh, a lot of you might know him as Wrestling Flow. Josiah Williams is the uh, the young man who he's popped up in many different roles in NXT. You've seen him a lot on NXT social media. He's all over that Performance Center YouTube page. At TakeOver 25, he wrapped Adam Cole down the aisle. Uh, he has done some work as a backstage interviewer on NXT television. And he's got the Wrestling Flow YouTube channel where he basically remixes 
theme songs of WWE superstars. And uh, 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 yeah, and that's what he does. Um, and, and creates new versions of it with, with new lyrics. You're probably sitting there going like, we know a lot of this, Sam. Russell and Flow is a very popular, very famous YouTube channel. Well, okay. You might know that, but I'm trying to be a professional here. I'm trying to introduce him in the right way. Josiah is in this amazing position, I believe, in NXT because he's just a huge fan and he's doing what he does. And he came into WWE and WWE said, look, we like what you're doing. We'd like you to do it here. And he's just doing what he'd be doing anyway, but now he's doing it under the WWE roof. So I wanted to talk to Josiah about what that's like, how he got to that position, what it's like being in that position, how he sees his role. And also I wanted to talk about being a fan, who his favorites were and whatnot. Great conversation, great dude. Wrestling flows, Josiah Williams this week on Not Sam Wrestling. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. Obviously, the uh, story of the fan-made good is one that's always near and dear to my heart in the world of uh, professional wrestling. Uh, so with that said, I feel like it's been too long that we haven't done this already. It's a long time coming. Let's welcome Josiah Williams. From wrestling flow from NXT to not Sam wrestling. What's going on, man? Dude, you're absolutely right. It's been way too long, way, way, way too long, but worth the wait. I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm excited. I, I feel like uh, there's always an uh, like kind of just a a good energy and excitement around you. I feel like you you really do. I think way better than me, for example. I get people upset. You <laughs> you properly exemplify what people are supposed to feel when they see somebody who's a fan and somebody who's working from a place of passion for this thing end up, you know, at one of the highest levels. I feel like that that is the feeling that you're able to give to people. Is that something you're doing intentionally or you just feel like it's just your natural way of being? Um, absolutely intentional. Thanks, man. I, I, I do appreciate it. I think just like anything else, a lot of the stuff can be incredibly stressful. A lot of the stuff can can kind of come across as as a burden or too much. But I'm like, man, we're having so much fun and we have the ability to have fun. So let's while we're doing that, present that to other people. Um, I try to do that in, in every aspect of my life. So I hope I hope I can continue doing that in, in the world of professional wrestling at some capacity. Have you gotten to a place where you feel like, yep this is the right spot for me? Or is it still like, oh my God, they're going to, they're going to figure out that they gave me this job. Like this is, this is insane <laughs> that I'm, that I'm here. Cause I'll tell you, I, and I'm, I'm, I don't ask you to be negative about you. I ask you because coming from my perspective, like I don't do anything for WWE without this voice in my head going like, they're going to figure out that they're just letting you do this. There's no reason for you to be here. It's like, today's the day. This is the yeah, day. This is it. Like it's, it's over. I hope you enjoyed it. Right. No, I feel like that all the time, man. Especially, you know, going to NXT each week and, and seeing the people just working hard in every every part of their day. I'm like, am I supposed to be here? Is, is this the right, yeah. <laughs> is this the right time? Um, yeah, and I and I think for me too, it's like I have that kind of evolving role of some days I'm, you know, creating a rap video for Twitter, some days I'm announcing like 
there's so many things that happen that I'm like, I don't know if I'm really even good at one thing yet. <laughs> so <laughs> right. hopefully my average skills and everything else doesn't, you know, be my detriment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I can do everything at like a six to a six and a half, that's still impressive because it's so many things, right? <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're coasting through. We're getting there. <laughs> well, I feel like so let's go back to the beginning, right? Let's cause because I think for a lot of people that just watch NXT, for example, you just popped up one day at TakeOver rapping Adam Cole down the aisle. Like people were like, I don't know who this is. He's super good at, at rapping Adam Cole down the aisle, though. Like it right. that that was what I was happy about, right? When when I when I saw you do that, it didn't feel out of place. It didn't feel like somebody won a contest, for example. It felt like somebody whose skill set was at a certain level, and it's like, yeah, like he should be doing this. <laughs> it was a it was a wild moment man i i found out like three days before that was gonna happen mm -hmm. and i was in one of those modes like okay well i've, I've really wanted this so i i kind of mapped it out ahead of time of all right this is what i want to do here's where i want to go um it's of course it's pressure because you know never done this at, at least in the world of professional wrestling like this is a different type of performance and, and a different type of story to tell um, but I went into it with that confidence of, okay, if somebody like Shawn Michaels and somebody like Triple H and, and Road Dog, if like half of D-Generation X is telling you, hey, we want you to do this, <laughs> I better be ready to do this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, does it, I was thinking about that too. Did it click in with you at all, especially as a fan where you're so kind of aware of what these superstars are doing that you're like, forget about this being good for me this has to be good because this is about to be adam cole versus johnny gargano at a takeover this is adam cole's entrance like cool like if i do good or i do bad that's cool but first and foremost like that's that's adam cole this isn't an opening match this is the main event and that's the nxt champion that yeah. i need to make his entrance a little bit more special which is crazy because this entrance is already very special. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are very there are multiple key moments that, you know, make this thing great. And I kind of approached it with the aspect too of, you know, as a per, as an announcer, as a personality, you, you know, it's not about you. You're you're telling the story of all of the other people. So, yes, I've got to get my lyrics right and I've, you know, got to be on beat and all that type of stuff, but this my job is to tell people and to remind people that Adam Cole is in this position for a reason mm -hmm. and is going to walk away as NXT champion, in my opinion. So, yeah, there, there was a, there was a lot going into it. But I think ultimately it was just like, I don't want to make Adam Cole upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I totally get it. But so I would imagine then when they did that video uh, on the Performance Center YouTube channel, kind of chronicling the whole thing and Adam Cole said at the end of it, I felt a little bit cooler walking down the aisle. I was like, that had to be on your end, the complete desired reaction. Like that's what could be better. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. And he's such a, such a cool dude to, to, you know, to be able to say, Hey, I want this to be a part of this moment. Um, and I, you know, I went into it with my ideas. We kind of collaborated. Um, but ultimately he was, he was satisfied. So I'm like, all right, we're, <laughs> we're good here. Yeah. <laughs> That's then, all I really need. And then you poke your head through the curtain and you're like, did D-Generation X look happy? Okay, cool. All right, right. we're good. All right, all right, cool. <laughs> as long as they approve. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. No problem. So so you start 
doing this on your own, though, before you get to NXT, before any of this stuff happens, wrestling flow was just something you started doing on your own, right? For, for, yeah. just for YouTube, just as a creative outlet. Exactly. So I, you know, on my own making hip hop music and Christian hip hop music, I got to this point where in between projects, I always wanted to do something that was different than trying to, you know, make music for Spotify or whatever. Um, I, I wanted to have a new outlet and something in between each, each piece of work. So Wrestle and Flow was an idea that I thought of like four or five years ago. I just never really did anything with it. Um, so initially it was going to be like, all right, I'll drop five tracks at a time, mixtape style, you know, something like that. And I uh, just turned into more so music videos weekly. Um, but after those, those first couple, I then realized, okay, this is cool. It works. But now I have to like really do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. We're actually expecting content now. But yeah, it was just a, a random thing that I that I wanted to do to refresh, and it turned into something way bigger than that. I would also have to imagine that you first put out like the first one, and it's really just for you, and this will be fun, and it's creative, and we'll see if this works. But really quickly, it started to get attention, not only from fans, but from the people that you're that you're rapping about, from the people that that you're performing over their song. So now I would imagine that, okay, like, you know, the Undisputed Era watched that first video. So when you're going to put out, say, the Finn Balor remix or something, is there something in your head that's like, okay, this isn't just for me anymore because if Finn Balor stumbles upon it now, that's all of a sudden a possibility, which it, because it's not before. I would think that when when you're making that first one, it's not even, you're not making it thinking, Oh yeah, and then Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are going to watch this, and I wonder what they'll think right. about it. Like you're just <laughs> doing it, but now you have this existence where you're like, I do have to be conscious of the fact that Finn Balor might watch this, and I hope he likes it too, right? Yeah, yeah, it's weird because it goes from that just fun YouTube hobby to wait, I'm <laughs> I have to piece together content, <laughs> like I have to think of the schedule and all this stuff, and. That's, I think that's ultimately one of those things too of, well, if Samoa Joe sees this track and one, he likes it, cool. But yeah. if he, also if he doesn't like it, then <laughs> yeah. he can tweet this out and be like, look at this trash that somebody, <laughs> you know, <laughs> put on YouTube today. Like, yeah. And then that's the end of like, Wrestle and Flow. That's the wrestle part of Wrestle and Flow. Samoa right, Joe's right. like, this is garbage. You There's know? no recovery from that. No. Like, <laughs> you just got to quit. <laughs> well, I'm glad that didn't happen then. Um, of course. So did you, when it started to get kind of attention and you realize people in WWE are watching and stuff like that, was there a thought of, I wonder if I could angle this into cooperating with them or doing stuff with them, or maybe I can make music for them? Or was it just, man, I didn't expect this kind of attention to come this quick. Let's just see where it goes. Yeah, definitely did not expect it at all. Um, so when those ideas and conversations started to happen, it was much more of a, let's see what happens. You know, right. um, I think originally the idea when, when they reached out the first time it was, Hey, we like what you're doing. Uh, we'd love to, you know, give you some shirts to wear in your videos. Like if you're promoting the stuff, you might as well wear the official, you know, WWE shop <laughs> merchandise. <laughs> and I always tell people it's cool that that never even happened. I never got any free merchandise or whatever, <laughs> which would have been great. But, You're still waiting on the shirts. 
<laughs> right. I'm still waiting on those, but it, it turned into more of a, well, what are your interests and, and what would you actually want to do? Um, which I think even to this day, I'm still trying to figure out, but um, yeah, it opened the door for a really cool series of conversations um, that I didn't expect at all. And, and that was never my intention really with it either of, I just want to make remixes because i'm bored and want to get myself ready for the next album you know what i mean right yeah and i feel like you're kind of still in between projects now like you're still in that space (laughs) where you're like okay so god forbid this were to all end you're like all right i guess i'll put out that album i was planning on putting out right (laughs) (laughs) so what what was the conversation like at what point because your your position with wwe i feel like is so uniquely you that it's not like you're following footprints that were put there by somebody else. So what, what kind talk me through what those conversations were and what you're thinking of was in terms of what am I going to do here? Like what's, what's my job going to be? Right. Um, ultimately I knew that my target was backstage interviewers somehow. Okay. Um, you know, Kayla Braxton's cool. I'm like, let me be like Kayla Braxton or whatever, whatever. Um, yeah, I get I that think, too. Some of us, some of us too. Like we look in the mirror at some point and we go, "Huh, I guess uh, wrestling isn't in the DNA." Like, <laughs> <laughs> what else can I do? <laughs> right, that is clearly not a path for me. Right. I I do remember getting a haircut one time. One of the funniest stories. I oh my goodness, I was getting a haircut and the guy knew that I worked for WWE and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm really proud of you." There's you know this is a really big deal for you being the cruiserweight champion right now. So congratulations. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Do you think I'm, no, I'm not him, man. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Um, no. So I, yeah, <laughs> it happened really quick. Like you said, so I posted the, the undisputed era video on a, you know, Friday and it was, it was either that day or the next day that WWE reached out. So, it all happened so quickly. And in the beginning, it was just, you know, let's see where, where this goes. But um, I think ultimately, I, I looked at someone like Kathy Kelly at the time who really made her role her own. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not one specific thing. I have a lot that I can do. And I said, well, if if she kind of figured out a few different ways to, to make herself different and stand out, how can I incorporate myself while also focusing on hip hop, while also focusing on announcing? Um, and yeah, so I, I went to a Raw in Chicago at the Allstate Arena and just interviewed a few people. Um, you know, I, I I didn't know what I was doing and it was really bad. Like it was horrible. It was horrible. I, I pray oh. that no one has that footage. <laughs> what was like, what was horrible about it? Because I love the horrible stories because we've all We've all we've all been there. I mean, I've had horrible stories that everybody has seen. So, I, you know, I Oh man. So, we went into it with, hey, you know, my idea was that I wanted to to do some sit-down interviews like 4 to 5 minutes each. Um, just kind of spur the moment questions, filling it out. And but I had a plan, I had an outline, I had these people that I wanted to work with. Right. And um, the guy who ended up being my supervisor and who was like my my person through the midst of all this he actually had a car accident and he wasn't there. And this is like the three days before. So all of those plans are now out the window. Hey, I'm not going to be there. We're just going to put you in the hands of this other guy and we'll see where, where it goes. So 
my first interview, I don't remember who exactly it was, but I asked them how they were doing three times. <laughs> like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, yeah great. So, uh, so how are you feeling right now? Like, it, it was so bad. You know what that is? That's when, like, you think you're going to catch the energy on that first question. And just for yep. some reason in you, you didn't catch the energy that you needed to get you to the second question. <laughs> so you just keep going back to the well to try to catch that energy again. And it becomes the most awkward thing <laughs> it was horrible i'm like I, I really really when they announced the bump you know last year or two years ago and they started doing those hey here's caleb braxton's first interview here's so-and-so's first audition i'm yeah. like please oh no <laughs> let the memory card have failed that day <laughs> yeah so i i went to that raw did a few of those and i knew by the end of of you know those interviews i'm like i just ruined my chance like there's no way they're gonna ever call back after this yeah so you don't think you don't think oh i guess i won't be an interviewer you think well wwe has realized i can do hip-hop music videos on youtube and that's it and they don't and want me any it. yeah <laughs> yeah right okay <laughs> so bad so that was in that was in october or november 2018 uh that february of the next year i came down to visit nxt and uh you know same conversation again what would you want to do and here are some of our ideas and then that turned into my first you know official weekend working at wwe wrestlemania and i'm like <laughs> that works <laughs> this is, this is what <laughs> and, and and then is that where they're like we're gonna just bring you in and kind of you'll be a content creator and we'll figure this out as we go but we know we're basically hiring your potential. Like you have the potential to do all these things and we want you here so we can build that out. Exactly, exactly. Uh -huh. So there were a few ideas of, well, maybe we can try to launch Wrestling Flow or a version of Wrestling Flow underneath WWE and WWE music umbrella. Um, you know, there's always opportunities for announcing and interviewing maybe down the line. Um, most of this stuff will be uh, you know, my title is on-air digital talent. So a lot of social media, a lot of YouTube, um, you know, and it was, it was very broad because it was, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, but mostly out of the performance center and just getting with talent on a day-to-day -day basis and seeing what we can create. Yeah. Now you have to be, I think when you end up in a position like that, where it's not so cut and dry, it's kind of like, well, you know, it's a, it's a gift in the sense that you get to come in and be you. You're not going we're not going to try to squeeze you into this mold, but at the same time you have to have the patience and the security to know okay, like there there is no safety net in the sense that okay, I know how to handle this situation cuz that person handled it that way, so I'll be able to handle it this way. It's just no, I've like the process of figuring it out is going to be fun and it's going to be creative. But it's also going to be stressful at times, and it's also going to probably yeah. take longer than I originally think it's going to take. And and all these things, you kind of have to, I would imagine, balance all that out in your head and just kind of get yourself to focus back on just make content and don't worry about anything else. Yeah, yeah. It's a learning process. And I think once I realized that, a lot of the stress kind of went down. Mm -hmm. It's like... I don't have to create the perfect video my first time. You know what I mean? Um, the Adam Cole performance, that's a, that's a great, it's a crazy opportunity. Amazing. Even when I look back on it now, I'm like, all right, there's so much that I can improve on. <laughs> like, oh, really? That was, 
Oh yeah. Like yeah. when I watch it, I'm like, mm, I could have done that <laughs> a little bit better. Or this could have been, but you know, same time I was two or three months into the job. So of course I have the, the base understanding of, all right, they, they expect this to go well, but I, I knew that there would be a, you know, another chance at least some point down the line for this to, to get better and to improve. Um, so going into this, like you said, you know, you have to have an open mind. You have to be willing to be flexible mm-hmm. um, and brush off your mistakes. It's okay to fail, but when you do fail, learn from it, get back up and push forward. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you don't realize that a lot of times those mistakes that you make are only as big as you allow them to be. Like if you kind of brush them off and you can move past it, you look around, you're like, oh, everybody else was able to move past this. Like. I was the mm-hmm. only one that was holding that process back. Like this was this was this huge colossal thing because it was in my head constantly, you know, going over and over and over again. So that's that's hilarious that you say that. My biggest I'm gonna I'm gonna label it as my biggest failure in WWE so far. We'll okay. see what, what happens. Two days before NXT was right after it was the day after Survivor Series. Um, you know. Earlier that day, I put out a video talking trash about Raw and SmackDown. Okay. And I'm like, NXT, we're just going to destroy y'all pretty much. And Shawn Michaels saw it, and he's like, hey, can you do that live on Wednesday? So first of all, I'm like, my favorite wrestler of all time (laughs) just asked me a question. Oh, (laughs) You mean the the Michael Jordan of professional wrestling just just requested (laughs) that I use my talent at something in this industry yeah i would say yes right yeah (laughs) it's like that's wild right yeah um also he you know i don't know what his musical tastes are Mm -hmm. but all right somehow this hip-hop video he enjoys cool um so the day before i'm like yeah i'll do it you know let's let's make this happen i start talking to triple h and road dog he's like all right this is cool let's just tweak a couple of the lines and you know to kind of apply it because that was before this is after um so we ended up rewriting the whole thing now it's only eight bars it's Mm -hmm. a very quick track and then it goes into a chorus you know recognize worldwide we are nxt very easy so we get to the rehearsal at nxt and i completely forget the lyrics (laughs) 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 completely forgot every lyric (laughs) Four times I'm breaking down. I'm like, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get fired. This is it. This, this is that day, right? Yeah. And you know, it's it was weird because Triple H was too calm. And I'm like, why are you so calm? I I'm, we're getting ready to go live in two hours. Mm-hmm. And I don't know this track that we just wrote yesterday. Um, and it was it's that same thing of just relax and do it. We asked you to do it for a reason. We believe in you, have yeah. confidence in yourself. Um, and like it, so it wasn't a failure. Obviously it went well, you know, I, I remembered whatever I, I actually read it from my phone on, <laughs> on TV, but it was one of those things where it's just like, why am I freaking out about this stuff? You know, yeah. it's, it's a moment, take it, get back up and learn from it. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And also kind of embrace it, like be able to go back and tell the story here and like have fun with the idea that like, of course it went well in the end, but like I've been in that position where I don't think it's going to go very well. Right. You know what I mean? And you can, you can kind of be on both sides of it. What's the feeling like early on? Like, I guess you could go back to takeover. That's probably the first time you got that feeling, but that feeling of as a fan 
walking in to an arena knowing that you have a role on the show. Like you walking walking into an NXT arena, looking around, seeing the screen and the ring set up and the chairs are being set up. And you're like, I'm I'm part of this. Mm. The first time I mean, so it happens each time, like that yeah. that raw visit in Chicago, like each time after that, it was it was just like, wow, this is this is weird. Um, I think the most impactful one was at Hall of Fame. And I'm just getting, you know, little clips that I can use on the WWE PC Instagram. Um, but I remember as I'm like zooming in a slight zoom on DX accepting, you know, and giving their speech. And I'm like, I had to stop and just look around like I'm really here. I'm real. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Like this is this is really weird. <laughs> and, and and you take it all in. you see all the people there. And that was the first time that, you know, I'm. I'm walking past people who are recognizing me from YouTube videos and stuff. Like it's, it's surreal. It's, it's not typical. It's not usual. Even today, I'm still not used to that. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it also kind of gives you this sense of, all right, even in those moments where you're kind of self doubting and questioning yourself, like you're here for a reason. Um, right. One, that's probably number one. And the number two, it's like, just take it, really take it in because you you don't know you know what tomorrow has promised so just take all this in and that feeling that you have try to make that try to make those goosebumps last forever yeah and they and they do because every time you tell the story like you come back to that feeling right you just said like you're starting to feel it again i mean that was when i first when I, I came on and did one kickoff show i was like that has to this has to be the only goal that once i do one kickoff show that can't be taken away. They could fire me after the kickoff show, and that's okay, yeah. but they can never, <laughs> nobody can ever take away the fact that somehow I sat at that table and did a kickoff show, and that's it. Like, that, yeah, man. if that's the whole story, that's enough, right? Right, right. It's like I've, I've, lived, I've lived the moment. I've had that moment. Of right. course, and, you know, even the most humble person in the world will be selfish at least at some point and say, I would love to do that again. Yeah. Can, <laughs> again, I, again, again. can I have these moments but, always? <laughs> like, right. I, I just have <laughs> these moments. <laughs> but there's that one that's just like, all right, I've got this. I've, I've, I've got this. So I'm assuming, did you grow up a, a WWE fan? Kind of. Um, so I, I had a mom who was very protective. <laughs> so when I started showing that I was interested in, you know, Kane and the Undertaker, she's like, oh, uh, not in my house. <laughs> you I think, are out of your mind. Yeah, I mean, that's when it was like, I mean, that's when it was yeah. right on. Like, no, we're not dancing around this. We're putting it right in your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My parents said, when I was growing up and I was watching the same era, I remember my parents having a conversation with me and going, you realize the only reason that you're allowed to watch this now is because you've been watching it since you were such a little kid that like we can't just all of a sudden have you stop watching it. Like that would be too crazy. But if you just started watching WWE today, no way. No right, right. way. <laughs> yeah, I so I remember early on, like I had cousins who would play the games and obviously reference The Rock and Stone Cold. So I knew who everyone was. I knew everything about them, um, but I just wasn't able to watch at home. And I think that kind of transition where mom realized that I wasn't going to go crazy watching this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, middle school for me, which was the uh, ruthless aggression era. So 
you know, John Cena, JBL, Rey Mysterio, like right after the Rock and Stone Cold. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of grew up really intrigued with, with that era. And, and then right, I think a couple of years that followed it of Randy Orton, Legacy, Drew McIntyre. Um, that was, that was all like all me. Yeah. Yeah. Who was, who was your, who was your, who was your guy in the Ruthless Aggression era? Like who was your mm. dude? I want <laughs> actually, I was just talking to my sister about this. I remember the night that we found out that Eddie Guerrero was no longer with us. Yeah. That was my guy that I don't know why I latched on to Eddie, but Eddie was my guy. And, you know, I'm young. I still have a bedtime. I still have a mom who's like, hey, get ready for school tomorrow. What do you think this is? Right. I remember running upstairs, crying, uh, couldn't sleep. I pulled out a white tee and just like wrote R.I.P. Eddie on the shirt in, you know, horrible handwriting Sharpie and yeah. just went to school with this ridiculous T-shirt on that <laughs> I could have spent more time on. But that was my guy, man. I, 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 there was something about his character. There was something about how easy he made everything look in the ring. Um, he was one of my guys. And then Batista, um, I always felt like just had this really cool personality, this really cool look of he can come out, stand there, bounce around a little bit, and the entire arena is losing their mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were a few of those guys. Yeah, just that natural charisma. Yeah, I mean, Eddie, I've been like on kind of a, a kick lately just watching some of his stuff and like especially the cruiserweight WCW stuff like before it was acknowledged that this is a world championship right this is a main event guy yeah that it's like so far ahead of its time like he was so good for so long and it's like thank god that people caught up to it like before it was yeah. too late like thank god he did have that run where it's like with it, there is this acknowledgement of how amazing he is. I mean, I, I feel like the, the, if you were not a fan of the JBL Eddie Guerrero rivalry, like, I don't even know if you watch wrestling. Like, I, I right. don't know <laughs> what we would talk about. If you sit there and be like, yo, that was lame. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think we have anything else left to discuss. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's funny because for me, I kind of do that same thing, but with the Eddie kind of Ray and, and a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people don't like that rivalry for some reason. Oh, it's great. I love it. You mean the, 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 the paternity, uh, yeah, dominant yes. rivalry. Yeah. It's great. It's awesome. They're like, well, how can you watch that? And I'm like, well, a lot of people have to understand for me too. Like I grew up, uh, in theater. That's my whole world, like mm -hmm. from age four, I think. Um, so I'm like, this is, this is storytelling. Yes. This is like, <laughs> what do you mean? This is hilarious. <laughs> this is great. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and, and it, it tells you something about the skill level of the performers where it's like, yes, on paper, the story is that the custody of this man's child is being put on a piece of paper and it's going to be up on a ladder. And both men right. have agreed the man who raised the child unknowingly realizing his opponent actually fathered the child. Both, both of these two <laughs> men have agreed that whomever can attain the paperwork first will be given full custody of that child. On paper, yep. yeah, you're like, why would anybody watch this? But the talent level of Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, and let's be honest, Lil Dominic was on point for that oh, whole yeah. story as well. Dominic's been a performer <laughs> from the beginning. 
because that ladder match, like, you believed. Like, you were invested in it. It wasn't even, like, we can laugh about it on paper because the story is so ridiculous. But when you watch right. the match, you were invested. Like, it wasn't a goof match. It was like, yes, these two men are fighting for a child right now. This is real. <laughs> Tears flowing and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. Will Dominic could have been a, a Netflix kid at that point. Like, if Netflix was for around, sure. he would have been on every move. You see little Dominic in the front row just watching this match, trying to figure out who his father is going to be. It's just like... It's incredible. He doesn't understand what's going on because all he knows is Ray, and he keeps hearing this stuff about Eddie. Like it's. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I. So you've always been a, kind of a a, a story guy, as yeah, far as wrestling goes. Yeah. yeah. That was that was really all it was for me. Of like, how do you? I use Randy Orton as an example of you know Randy Orton in two thousand and two is very different than what you see today mm -hmm. and. When people ask me why, you know, even before I came here, why are you still watching this stuff? It's like, because those characters that I fell in love with and that I've been tracking for years are continuing to evolve. And yes, you know, you think from a, from a general standpoint, it's just them in a ring every week. But no, for us, it's like, this guy is doing something completely different. I've yet to see him face this person yet. You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's been my favorite thing lately is like in my head and then going through the network and like, you know, starting to write notes and everything and figuring out the evolution of these characters. Like when you, when you think about it, there's like a handful of guys that have characters that span years and years and years. And it is all the same character. Shawn Michaels was the one that actually first presented that idea to me as a concept. It was like, I mean, it was years ago I was interviewing him and he goes like, I was talking about, it was before, he would return for the, you know, that one tag match that I think doesn't count anyway, but, <laughs> but oh, no, that's not, no, that's not, that doesn't count. That's like, that's like saying Mick Foley's like TNA stuff counts. Like, no, it doesn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> and Ric Flair's TNA stuff, like Ric Flair retired at WrestleMania 24 and he and retired at I WrestleMania know. 24. That's it. Sean <laughs> retired after the match with the undertaker. And that's it. That's all I know. Yeah. That's it. But we don't refer to that. Uh, yeah, no, we don't. But I, I was like, uh, when I was talking to him, it was like, you know, why, you know, would you ever return? AJ Styles wants to fight you, blah, blah, blah. And Sean in that interview was able to break down so succinctly the idea that in his head, this Shawn Michaels character, from the time he was in the Rockers to breaking up with Marty Jannetty to going all the way forward, Heartbreak Kid, Sensational Sherry, you know, moving on and on, getting to the world title, the boyhood dream, into DX, into returning. Like, that's all one character. And mm, yeah. he thought that that character just had such a perfect out that he wouldn't want to ruin that. And I was like, oh, my God. That is one character. Like, that I character. Really about that. Yeah, that, that guy, the rockers that come into WWE in, like, 1988, 1989, whatever it was. That Shawn Michaels is the same Shawn Michaels that spans throughout the entire WWE run and it's like and you could go back and trace it and if you wanted to spend the time and get into the detail you could tell that story same with guys like The Undertaker like The Undertaker debuts oh, yeah. at Survivor Series 1990 and you can tell a 30 year story of this one character and there's like there's nothing like that in television anywhere else yeah I was watching uh uh what's it The Last Ride mm -hmm. and even when he explains 
you know, the there's a brief explanation of the American, you know, the American badass. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this guy, you know, it would seem like it's completely different yep. than everything else, which yes, of course it looks different. It sounds different, et cetera, but that's still the same guy in there. And, right. And that character, like we still see it as it, it makes sense. Cause it flows. It's, yeah. It's, it's right. It's a flow. And, and you can even see it like really subtly in the aesthetic, like the aesthetic changes that the undertaker goes through when he first, 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 first shows up as the American badass. He's got like, yeah, he's on a motorcycle. He's got a denim shirt on. His hair is red instead of black, but his hair is still long. He's still got dark sunglasses on. He's wearing a leather trench coat. And you're like, oh, no, this is no, there is no doubt that this is the same Undertaker. Right. And then right. it evolves and then he cuts his hair and then he loses the trench coat. But that evolution happens. And then when he comes back at WrestleMania 20 as the dead man. It's not like he just puts the tights and the purple gloves back on and he's the dead man again. There, He's got leather pants on still. He's got that kind of uh, Deadwood, Old West, badass Undertaker vibe to him. He's still got MMA gloves on. And you're like, oh, this is, this is the evolution of the dead man because American badass Undertaker got buried alive. So, of course, he would come back as a dead man. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, like it, all, it all makes sense. I love... I love going through those character arcs. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like I said, I definitely I definitely think Randy Orton falls in that category. Definitely. Uh there's man, you're right. There's not there's not too many mm -mm. that we can say goes in there. Nope. Edge does too. I mean, Edge from You Think You Know Me Edge into awesomeness, into rated R superstar, into like that follows a track too. It's kind of amazing. It's you the stuff that really blows my mind is like uh, like Stone Cold Steve Austin because technically his story arc kind of moves like a Tarantino movie in the sense that <laughs> – so follow me on this. And I think you'll be with me because as you can see, I've been putting a lot of thought into this stuff. I see. <laughs> yes. But the ringmaster shows up in 95. That's mm -hmm. a brand-new character. That's the beginning. That's the start, right? So all the stunning Steve stuff. The WCW stuff, the everything before that doesn't count anymore because a new character comes in. His name is the Ringmaster. We've never seen him before. The Ringmaster evolves into Stone Cold Steve Austin. Once he's Stone Cold Steve Austin, he starts acknowledging that he was stunning Steve Austin before. <laughs> so technically, you start with the Ringmaster, you get to Stone Cold, then you can go back to stunning Steve to set up it. the context. Do you see what I'm saying? I feel that. Yeah. So in that same in that same light, because I don't remember if not. I shouldn't say I don't remember. I wasn't watching at that point. But yeah. Was there a point where Triple H referred to his other characters, uh, 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 terrorizing? Um. um okay. That's a, That's a great question, because there wasn't ever a strong acknowledgement. I don't think I. I would start the Triple H character at the Greenwich Blue Blood. Okay. You know, because there you can, and that's nuts because to go from, because you'd go, yeah, I would probably go, like you knew he was terrorizing and, and it would get mentioned kind of, but I don't think that, I don't think terrorizing was meaty enough to to give that, you know, that kind of credence. And, and I don't know, Jean-Paul Levesque, I, I think that you have to start at the Greenwich Blue Blood and then you can go forward, and he kind of 
morphs into the Greenwich Blue Blood that was a little bit more realistic, that had like the Mozart music that won the King of the Ring, which morphs yeah. into DX, which morphs into the DX Army, where he's now the leader. And now you're talking about a main event guy. Now he morphs into it's our time and I'm the game. And then and then so on and so forth. And he becomes the King of Kings and takes over wrestling in the world as we know it and he controls right, the right. universe and that's yeah yeah there is <laughs> there is a story there yes but but yeah that's a, that's a good question with terrorizing i might now have to go back and really think about it but i'm pretty sure i'm sticking to starting like with all night just just trying to <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah scroll through like does he actually mention terrorizing but I, I i i think i'm gonna go greenwich blue blood and have a straight line through to today really yeah, because he's yeah. not, you know, he's not retired. Um, did you end up going back uh, and watching some of the old stuff, especially as accessible as everything is now? Did you at any point go back and start going like, oh, my God, there's there's decades of stuff here that happened before Ruthless Aggression that I could just watch in its entirety? Not a whole lot. I mean, I did realize like after the network, you know, was presented, I'm like, okay, now I have all this opportunity to to go back literally decades and see. And for whatever reason, I'm like, well, wait, I also realized I haven't seen NXT from the beginning. Like right. from the very, very beginning. So I got caught up in that. Okay. I got caught up. Yeah. I like yeah, that. that. was like Now let me ask you this. Yeah. When you say you got okay. caught up on NXT from the beginning, do you mean the beginning, like oh yeah, the FCW <laughs> transition into NXT and Seth Rollins as NXT champion, or do you mean NXT on Sci-Fi that took the place of ECW, the the game show NXT? No, no. The first thing that I watched was I don't know what location. I don't know if that was Full Sail, but it was the beginning of right when Seth Rollins is, right is, is champ. Let me yeah. tell you something. I'm Let me tell you something. I will go back on a guilty pleasure hate watch kick of those nxt game show shows and it is some of the crummiest tv you've ever really? seen but it is amazing like i will watch episode just to hear michael cole you've never heard any because it's also right in the midst of his like heel announcer thing so he can get away with a lot more oh yeah, yeah. but i mean the disinterest <laughs> that he has <laughs> as he's doing commentary for the show like and he's sitting there going like you know Oh, who do you think's gonna get eliminated? And Michael Cole's like, I wish the whole show would get eliminated. <laughs> You're just, <laughs> just, just great. It's He's so not feeling it. No, at all. not at all. Not at all. It's so, it's so good. But that I like that you did that. That you went back and, but that I, I yeah. But that doesn't. I mean, we talk about story arcs. I do not think that NXT on Sci-Fi it shares a name with NXT. <laughs> but that's all. That's all that it shares with NXT. I that's do where not. End. That's it. Yeah, that's the end. And then there's a restart and a relaunching. It's like, uh, yeah, that's like the sort of Joel Schumacher Batman. And then yeah, yeah. the NXT that you started with, that's like the Christopher Nolan Batman, where it's like this is a whole different universe, <laughs> and this right. is where we're existing, and also it's a lot better. <laughs> true. Very, very true. So you, but you, you went back and like just ran through NXT because it is tough. I mean, some of that early NXT stuff, like, it wasn't on TV. Like, it, you know, it, mm. you would, you would have to hunt it down. Yeah. So I, I always thought that was cool of, you know, there, I don't remember how long I took, but I would say probably like 
two two seasons as in like spring and summer worth of oh there's this whole thing of big e and the number five <laughs> like, yes there's, there's all this stuff when did sasha banks first arrive you know like there there was a time where i just just went back through all of that yeah and then i got into a lot of the the chalk line jackets and i remember the um i remember the eddie and ray the halloween havoc one yes and i'm like i'm wearing this jacket but i've never seen this match <laughs> so i think there was also that part of it of like all right well i have to go watch this stuff you know like if yeah. i'm wearing it i have to watch it otherwise people are going to come up to you and be like oh that's one of the greatest match ever and you're like yep dope yep yep <laughs> it was great man. so good so good that's what like i never want that to happen to me ever so right. i'm like he just if i'm wearing it i have to know it yeah just no just the fear of the follow-up question like please don't ask specifics please don't ask specifics. Right. so but you did go back and watch it i went back and watched that about two years ago and so we did a uh you know obviously halloween havoc nxt so seeing santos escobar come in wearing the gear i'm like I know what that means and not just because i have it on a jacket like, <laughs> like those I think of the spots <laughs> those pants look like the pants on my jacket that's super cool right <laughs> was that was that ray's actual gear or was it modeled after ray's gear i well he said that it was the original that's what he said right yeah that blew yeah. my mind i was like that's interesting <laughs> like, how yeah, did you get this because i saw ray posted it on instagram and that was the first i guess i was half paying attention when i first saw it and i was like oh because like seth uh in his match with ray i think at SummerSlam, kind of like his gear was inspired by the halloween havoc match so mm -hmm. when i saw santos like have gear that like was mimicked it i was like oh that's super cool that he did that and then i looked at ray's instagram and he posted a photo of the gear and then i was like wait what and I like looked yeah. up the clip. I was like looking back and forth. I was like, that's he's wearing the actual, actual gear. Like, that's incredible. Which is also interesting because like when I see Santos, I mean, you know, obviously we're not like the same size or anything, <laughs> but I'm like, are was Ray that big at the time? Like yeah. you know, biggest and like muscular? Yeah. Like maybe he was. I don't know. Yeah, because you're sitting maybe just everybody was bigger, so you look smaller by comparison. Like, you know, <laughs> like I was like talking to X Pac about that. And he was like, I was like, you know, you were so much smaller than everybody else. He was like, I was like 220. Like I wasn't that small. It was just right, everybody right. was huge. <laughs> I was like, oh I didn't I didn't realize. Like, yeah, like you you probably look a lot bigger by today's standards. Um, I think about that a lot with like the NBA too of like okay so you know the point guards are still you know 6-3 yeah. <laughs> right so you know Jason Kidd back in the day running around looking like he's little you meet him in person you're like oh yeah you're you're a tall adult right yeah yeah I wasn't thinking of you in the in the context of human beings I was thinking of you in this other make-believe world over here oh you're much bigger than me oh okay yeah yeah I see yeah and yeah that's like that's why when you meet a guy like uh, Kane or The Undertaker or The Big Show or those guys, and you're like, oh, yep. that's why all those guys that are bigger than me look like normal people, because <laughs> you are enormous. You are. I shook Big Show's hand at Hall of Fame, and I'm like, this is this is scary. Yeah. Like, he could he could crush this in a second. Yeah. And not just saying that because he's a, you know, a tall guy, mm -hmm. a giant. Like, no, his hand like swallowed my hand <laughs> yeah. yeah when you start meeting wrestlers that's when you really real wrestlers and mma fighters you really have that feeling that doesn't normally come across you where 
my existence is in this person's hands. Like whether I live or die is your choice. <laughs> like you could choose right now to end me and I would just be ended. Like that's yep. that you're in control here, not me. It I don't, does. you know, I could sit there and be like, yeah, well, you know, I'm also good at this. I have talents that he doesn't have. But at the end of the day, if it's either him or me, it's him. Like <laughs> that's, that's it. It's like no question. Right, right. That, that, that's done. Do you have, uh, other than the, the TakeOver 25 moment, do you have a moment that's like uh, super surreal or special or, or something where you were like, wow, this is, I can't believe this is reality? Yeah, so, you know, my first weekend here, I pretty much, like, met everyone because mm -hmm. it's WrestleMania, so everybody's there. Right. Um, so it wasn't like, it wasn't like, a, oh, that's John Cena. I saw him earlier today. I didn't get over it. It was just, <laughs> it was more of like, wait, that's Piper Niven. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the people who you don't expect to yeah. meet. Yeah. Um, those, that, that was cool. And then actually going over to do um, a couple of shows with NXT UK. And first of all, it was my first time out of the country. So mm -hmm. hadn't done that before. Um, but that's a whole, you know, roster of folks that, a lot of them weren't at WrestleMania or I didn't have a chance to really meet. So that's, that was a moment too of, wow, this is, I really, I really work here and I really see these people and they're just nice human beings. You right. know what I mean? Right. And they're not sitting there going like, Hey, why are you here? They're like, yeah, you work here like I do. And you're like, right. whoa, cool. <laughs> Did you see, by the way, that Walter uh, Dragunov match yet from NXT UK this week? Insane. <laughs> like insane. I mean, you to it is so brutal. You forget that there's not even an audience in the room. Like there's the last right. show that they there's no. It's an empty room, and you're like the sounds of those slaps, the sounds yeah. of the the thudding. It's like it's it it was yeah, it was insane. And it's it's also like so you know you hear those slaps in the moment, and then like five ten minutes after each one. There's there's this handprint there, and then yeah. Dragonoff's back is like bright red and like starting to bubble up and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, like these two people, was, they're just fighting each other. They're having a fight right now for the title. Right, that's all right. this is. Yeah. I was in the middle of editing a video for the PC YouTube, and I got to that point where I'm like, dang, I need to focus because like I'm just I'm I'm stuck on this match. Thirty minutes have gone by. Like I need to get back to work. <laughs> So you, do you still, you actually, you know, you've done the backstage interviewer thing a couple of times now, and you have figured out how to get past the, how you doing, which is a great accomplishment. Right. So congratulations <laughs> on that. Do you, is that something that you still go like, that's what I'd like to do? Or was that a goal that you had before you realized, well, I, I didn't realize this other stuff was even a possibility. That's definitely the goal still. Yeah. Um, so I've been training under Alicia Taylor for the last year, um, announcing, backstage interviewing, everything, pretty much all on-air talent roles. Um, I did a little work uh, trying commentary. That also, I don't want to listen to that ever again. Commentary is hard, really man. Well. Commentary is very so hard. hard. It's really, <laughs> really hard. It was, oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Um, so I actually, when, when we moved NXT to the USA Network, I was training alongside Kathy Kelly to be the two backstage interviewers. What happened was we realized, oh, wait, in the past NXT, we haven't had a need for commercial breaks because it was on the network. We just went right. straight into the next thing. 
So we're like, well, we need to kind of try to fill this time and do little things to keep the audience engaged because we haven't really needed to. And Triple H is like, who can we get to? And as soon as he said that, I was like, no. <laughs> I'm the who My can dreams. we get guy. I'm the <laughs> right. I'm the who can we get to? That's whatever it is. That that's actually what you hired me for that's my yep. my job title <laughs> they're like and it's it's like one of those scenes from a movie where as he keeps talking you're like this is this is gonna be me it's like we need someone energetic we need someone youthful oh uh, <laughs> in five four three so i you know i stopped kind of doing the backstage interview stuff and really just got to connect with the nxt universe in between commercial breaks at full sale at the NXT arena, just hanging out with them, you know, doing the whole, I didn't want to just be like the t-shirt guy who goes out and I'm like, who wants a free, <laughs> get these t-shirts. Yeah. Like, I found little, just a fun way to kind of make them a part of the show and, and make them realize like, hey, this isn't a time where the show ends. Like in these moments, we're still going and you're still a part of it as well. Um, so hopefully I can get to a point where you know, I'm, I'm back into it and, and doing the backstage interviews and, and, and learning that role again. But I think for now, especially because we don't have the, the fans there, it's like, well, what, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's try to find something different. And there's still a ton of work to be done. So there's always going to be something. Yeah. I mean, real quick, we should also mention how amazing, because I feel like there are certain jobs that get overlooked, like it, taken for granted by fans that you just go, yeah, well, that's just what this sounds like. How amazing of a ring announcer is Alicia? Incredible. She's insanely good. It's it's weird because also like when I met her, she's you know just a chill person. Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. We're talking about music, whatever. Um, and it turns into it. She turns into an entirely different person. <laughs> like, yeah. Where did yes. all of this come from? Where where did that aggression just pop from? Yes. Yeah. So good at what I, she does. I think she's amazing. I think she's really incredibly talented. Um, but going back to you and saying, like, you know, figuring out what's next, what what needs to be done. I just feel like it's such a, a cool time uh, in WWE right now because you're seeing you see you. I mean, you see Pat McAfee like you don't know what anything is going to develop into. Like, I, I feel more and more WWE used to have this feeling of being very uh, closed off. And being this space where it's like, no, we create what we create, and that's what we promote, and that's it. And I actually think that it started, this is, believe it or not, with Rob Schamberger, you know, the artist, like the watercolor yeah, guy? Yeah. Like, he was the first person that I noticed way back when, when they started using his stuff, because he was like, like you, like the way you would just kind of do your music, because it was a creative outlet, he was just doing paintings because it was a creative outlet. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, oh, Rob is just doing his paintings now at, at Fan Access. And oh, Rob's art is popping up on WWE.com. And it's it's like, I know WWE entering that partnership with Rob was like, I think more unprecedented than people realize because it was them just going to him saying, just keep doing what you're doing and we just want to be a part of it. And he was like, yeah. that sounds great. And I feel like that has evolved so much in WWE to the point where people like you come on board and they're just like, no, we like what you do. Just keep doing that and do it with us. 
And you're just yeah. like, okay, yeah. all right, like, okay. <laughs> if you're going to do it at home, I mean, you might as well just do it here. Yeah, we got all, we got all this cool, we had all these cool toys at the PC. Do you want to use these? And you're like, right. yeah, that's, yes, I will do that. <laughs> that's way better than anything I would be doing here. Yeah, yeah, this is perfect. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's the coolest part, that it's not even, I don't know, I think goals are important, but I think having goals that are super rigid and set in stone and being like, this is exactly what I want to do can a lot of times yeah. shut you out from all this stuff that you didn't even realize was possible that you didn't even mm -hmm. realize that was on the table. Like I'm, you could easily at some point just fall into something and go like, I, this would have been my goal had I realized this was a thing, but it wasn't a thing until it became a thing, you know? Right. And I think, I think also a big part of it too, is, you know, you don't, you don't know until you try. So yeah. Lillian Garcia is a good example of like, she showed up and they tried to put her on commentary and she tried it. She, she had never done any commentary before. And they're like, well, what if, what if we try you doing this? She announced once and they were like that right there, that's <laughs> going to be the thing. Boom. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, same thing. I didn't know coming into this that I would be, you know, doing. So one of my one of my jobs before I came to WWE was college basketball. A lot of the same thing, going out during timeouts and uh, you know presenting those games that they do, shoot for a thousand dollars or whatever, right? Free Buffalo Wild Wings, all that type of stuff. Who wants a T-shirt? Who wants Who wants a T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, of course, so you have that experience, but I had no idea coming into WWE that they would even need something like that. Right. Um, so that's one. Two, I also feel like, you know, for people like us and people like Rob, who, you know, we have our hobbies, we have our things that help us to get to where we are. If we wrote that down on a resume and just turned it in and said, hey, can can we work here? They'd be like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> like, so social media, I think, is also a big part of this, too, of because with, without that, they wouldn't even know who I am. Period. Yeah. I mean, yeah. can you imagine if I came to them and was like, hey, um, I like wrestling a lot, so I want to come on and talk about it. And people have this like thing where I come across like you know like a dick. So can I'm I? The last professional, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> could I have a job here? Oh yeah, that sounds great. That sounds right up our alley. Sure, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you. But you just right, yeah, right. You just who knows? Uh, who knows how all this stuff works? But uh, I'm glad that it does. And you know, they say the cream rises to the top. So hopefully that's true, right? I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. <laughs> I tell people all the time, I don't want to be the guy who's like 50 years old and still, you know, covering Xavier Woods theme songs. Like, I gotta, <laughs> it, like, it would, I, I, I gotta do something else. <laughs> it would be great, too, if it was 20 years in the future, but you were still just doing stars from this era. And they're like, what are you doing, man? Like, why are you? Well, no, remember from before? Remember I was, yeah, we remember, dude. We remember. <laughs> nobody Stop rapping about retribution, bro. Yeah. We got it. Yeah, we got, <laughs> we got it. it. They're coming. And no, by the way, nobody even uses YouTube anymore. That was 20 years ago. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look, man, I'm glad we had the conversation. I'm glad you came on and made the time. Uh, where can people uh, stay in touch with you and find your stuff and, and do all that good stuff? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for even, you know, having me on here this is this is really cool i've been i tell you all the time like i would love to just pick your brain and talk to you about stuff so this is the cool time to do it 
Um, so I appreciate that. And for everyone who listened, thank you for tuning in. My name is Josiah Williams. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube. Everything is at Dean, D-E-A-N, my middle name, Williams. And then anywhere you can find music, Spotify, Apple Music, it's either Josiah Williams or Wrestle and Flow. Awesome, man. And it's fun to watch the journey because none of us know where it's going next. So <laughs> just strap we'll see in. see what happens. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.